Hello everybody, it's me Ross and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Fan Social where town fans have their say on all things town. And well, the transfer window is now closed and boy, what a transfer window it was for Ipswich Town. 19 players in, two on deadline day. Oh, it's, it's just unreal. It was just... Oh, I just, there's no more words to put into it because it was just crazy. Uh, Mark Aston had a busy window. He started on June 1st and now he can have a lay down and uh, chill out for a bit. But I'm sure he's still going to be on the phones and doing different things. Um, Today's going to be a massive show talking about the 19 signings, describing the window in three words because as town fans, we normally expect a quiet day at Portman Road, but it wasn't quite, it was very busy. I'm joined by five fine gentlemen from the Kings of Anglia posse to discuss the window as a whole and uh, their favourite signings and all that sort of stuff. I'm joined by John, Bloomers, David, another sweet Welsh Prince, 2.0, Mark Wakeley, and also good old James, who I've, um, I've actually met all these guys in person, which has just been another thing that's been unreal about this summer, um, meeting all these guys in person for the first time, or again. Um, we're going to go over to John first. And um, John, welcome back to the show. As ever, it's a pleasure. Um, the last two weeks has been fantastic seeing you in person. Well, no, last three weeks because Burton away as well. Um, how would you describe this window for town in three beautiful words? Another boring window. Now, you know, I'm only teasing, Ross. I'm going to just say it. Rise, Sir Ashton. What a gentleman. What an absolute legend. He he has done an amazing... Him and his team, I know he's been uh, very um, honest with saying it's not just him, but I think he's figureheaded this recruitment and I think he's done a splendid job. So either I love it or Rice Sir Ashton. There's my, my two different options. But, mate, it's great to have, be back on as always. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, it's... It's great to say that I've met Bloomers, James and David in person this season, Mark, one day soon. Um, obviously, I've been down to Portman Road the last couple of games and Burton before that. So I've seen three out of the, um, the four league games. Um, sorry, three out of five league games, um, which is good for me for this point in the season. Um, raring to go. Um, so excited about the rest of the season. But it's a fabulous window, isn't it? We've, we, the, the, the game changer era has delivered what I didn't think the talk would actually match meet up to. So fair play to them. So yeah, Rice at Ashton. I love it. Brilliant. I love it as well. And uh, Bloomers, your three words. Um, we're all in the same boat. We actually haven't seen a town win, but we won't talk about that. We won't be talking about the game. It's all about this transfer window, all the signings, because there is 19 to go through. But Bloomers, over to you. Well, Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Ross. Uh, I saw a town win this season. It just it was Cheltenham. Uh... But, you know, I'm also apologies for those of you that um, like to view my face, but I'm actually going to just stop my camera and I'm going to get a disembodied voice to see if my internet holds out any better. So I am here. I just can't put my hand up, uh, but we'll get past that. Also, great to see uh, David and John and Ross in person so far this season. It's been lovely. Uh, my three words, uh, I'm cheating a little bit here, ash hyphen ton of players. So we've got more signings than anyone else in the Football League this uh, this transfer window. And you can only say that it's primarily down to one gentleman getting them in. And for the names alone and the now quality of squad we have in League One, 
Mark Ashton should only be applauded. And there is nothing to suggest uh, that we will not compete when you look at the team. Obviously, it doesn't always translate to the pitch as what it does on paper. One thing that's really struck me, however, in everyone's 99% of Ipswich fans' appraisals of Mark Ashton um, is that, yes, he's done absolutely fantastically. But you hear so many Bristol City fans on Twitter uh, and to a lesser extent, Watford fans saying pretty much the polar opposite of what you could say uh, about Mark Ashton from this chance. Now, I can only judge so far what he's done by bringing in the caliber of player we have, and he should be absolutely 100% commended on that. And it's so good to have someone at the focal point of a football club basically communicating with fans. I'm being a massive pessimist by having a nagging voice that makes me think, well, there's no smoke without fire. And if you look over the Seven Bridge, it seems like half of Bristol's on fire. So I don't know, and I'm sure David or Mark or James can elaborate on this, but all I would say is, well done, Mark Ashton. Fantastic for all the players we've got in. Hopefully we're going to see this uh, stuff on the pitch. But what does people think about someone uh, or some people's thoughts at Watford and very specifically at Bristol City? Okay, I'll have to admit that was very weird just hearing Bloomers without his face talking, just seeing his mouth. Um, if you're watching this on video, I'm sure you're the same. I'm sure the other guys, but it's always good Bloomers. You always say some good stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm going to sort of take over that question to, to Mark quickly and also get his thoughts. He's three words to describe the window. Um, yeah, what, what you know, echo what Bloomers said, I'm sure. Okay, well, my three words are seamless ambitious and professional and the first and the third go together and I echo what John and Bloomers have said the way that town have conducted this transfer window has been terrific I mean I'm used to transfer windows as a, as a town fan it's sort of a death by a thousand size watching the other team sign players and then we appear with Ollie Hawkins at the transfer window and, and that's that's it you know but this has been been quite incredible and, and considering that he's dealing with by his own admission, a very small or almost non-existent recruitment team, he must have really pulled some strings to get those players in. And ambitious because, you know, there's a lot of players there who could quite comfortably be playing in the championship, but they've agreed to come and play for a League One side and a League One side currently in the relegation zone. Um, some of them have apparently taken a wage cut to come and join us, you know. So in terms of what we expected and what was delivered, I think we can only be delighted. The question is now, have we got the capability to turn that... Um, that 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 band of of you know very very talented players into a into a winning team. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us more over today because I'm sure he's got more of a well I'm, I'm just interested to see what he's going to say about the Mark Ashton situation with Bristol City and Watford as Bloom has said. Um, but also your three words to describe the window and also that have a question. Uh, the three words. Delighted to be back as well. It's been a while. Oh yeah, welcome um, back. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> very rude uh, of me. So I vanished, vanished to Cornwall, and then sort of uh, was out in the cold. It's a bit, a bit like sort of Matteo Sereni saying, "I, I want, to, want the week off, isn't it?" Um, my three are organised, strategic, and exciting. And the the third one is is from our point of view, and I'm sure from Paul Cook as well. I'm sure he's bouncing around his um, round round his office. But the organised and the strategic is actually the important bit. And this, what impresses me is the fact that it's. For years, what we've seen is, oh, it's the middle of August, we need to sign somebody, and you go and end up with Ollie Hawkins. Um, and either that or 
there's a transfer window coming up and you you end up with Jordan Graham and Tay and Eden coming in on loan when you've already got players in those positions, but you've got nobody out on the left wing. So we've got eight left backs and no no left wingers or something. And there's it's been a scattergun approach to, oh, somebody phoned me and said he, he can come in, we'll have him. Whereas this time it's been, we need that, we need that, we need that. We're going to go and get it. And that's that's what I like, including, I have to say, the the way in which Jacob's situation, you know, okay, he's a good player, we want him. Oh, no, actually, we want him more. Put him on side, you know, because there's sentiment doesn't come into it on that, does it? It's it's about the best player for that position. And if you something else comes up that's better, you, you move, move around, don't you? So... That sort of strategy in the organisation is hugely important and, and, and the most impressive thing from my side. Um, I have to say that a lot of the players I've had to do research on afterwards because unlike some people on the pod rotor, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of other clubs particularly because it's like this fortnight now. I know other people and I, I, I'm sure there'll be somebody in a discussion somewhere will slap my hand and say there is football because there's internationals that's not real football real football takes place at portman road everything else is plastic so if i don't see them at portman road or when i'm watching us away they don't count as players in my um sort of um register of interest really um but it's so i haven't been able to get excited in that way um that other people have i'm impressed with things and then i've looked looked things up but particularly when you've got someone like morsey where middlesbrough fans are really quite pissed off that he's gone um you know and, and you saw when we were on the on our club's feed and stuff the comments underneath the instagram post from borough fans going you've got a player there and why have we let him go that that's always a good marker that you've got a quality player if other fans don't want them to go on ashton i i don't know a huge amount what i've heard is that the Bristol thing partly comes down to buying good players and then selling them on for a profit. And there's an element, I think, where they saw a side being built and then they get sold and then you sign somebody else and you get sold and they, they see it as being money-making rather than ambition. So I think that's part of it. And I, I was reading a whole thread yesterday, I think, where a lot of it comes down to they didn't appoint an external candidate. They spent weeks and weeks and weeks fanning around to appoint a new manager, and then they appointed from within. And I think a lot of Bristol fans are really quite annoyed by that process. So I think that's it yeah. for Bristol. For Watford, I've read between the lines, and a lot of that comes down to communication. And Ashton's talked about learning from mistakes he's made at different clubs and not repeating them. And from what I understand, that Watford um, fans had an issue with his lack of communication or a slightly abrasive style of communication at times, which we're not seeing. So if, if he uh, and he has talked about the fact that he's made mistakes at clubs and I right back when he gave his first interview, I thought, oh, yeah, that that'll be that because he alluded to it, if not spoke directly about it in that first interview. So it's communication at Watford, as I understand it, and 
just fans getting the hump because you're a selling club and you're sitting in mid-table in the championship all the time, broadly. Definitely. And um, I'll go over to John in a sec, but of course we've got to introduce um, the final man that is joining us. And um, James, well, what a window it's been. Uh, welcome back to the show. Once again, it was, it was fantastic to meet you in person for the very first time. Um, and yeah, three words to describe this unbelievable window. Mark Astrian, what a man. Um, and yeah. So thanks very much, Ross. And yeah, pleasure to meet a bunch of you after the game the other week. It was it was brilliant. I'll just touch on that, uh, Mark Ashton, bit myself uh, with Bristol City. So I'm still tentatively or, you know, got a, got a bit of a connection with the Southwest region. I know a lot of uh, people down there from when I went to university in Bath and uh, I'm still involved with the Southwest group down there. So um Oh, there's some uh, there's some hybrid Ipswich Bristol fans, or maybe people that take an interest in both clubs. So there has been talk on um on the WhatsApp group that we have, and um, quite a lot have been saying that Steve Lansdowne, who's Bristol's owner, uh, he doesn't really like the how much you have to spend in football to compete. So that is why they've kind of become that selling club, and I think the fans are getting got a little bit fed up with that. Which, from Mark Ashton's point of view, He's been given the brief that, you know, you can't spend you can, you can't spend until you've received the funds yourself. Whereas this season at Ipswich, it seems to be that, you know, we have a a larger wage budget than most of the rest of the league. Um, I know we can debate whether we recoup that wage budget by getting rid of all of our squad already, but I think we'll probably find that our wage budget is going to be significantly higher than it was last season. So uh, I think it's the fact that. There's been a little bit more of a blank checkbook at Ipswich this season because we're we're focusing so much on building a squad for this league and hopefully the league above. Whereas um, at Bristol, I think Steve Lansdowne focuses more on like the Bristol project as a whole. They have um, the Bristol Bears down there that play at Ashton Gate as well. They have I think they've got the basketball team as there and Ashton Gate's in a, a bit of an arena as well. So I think Steve Lansdowne treats it much more of a business rather than the football club as promoting it in in a, in a slightly different way to what the project we're doing here this season. Um, just, I'll be quick on my three words. Uh, so my three words are different from everybody else's, which is brilliant. Uh, first word, optimistic. If you can't be optimistic as an Ipswich Town fan at the moment, then I think you must be living in a bit of a cave. Uh, we have brought in some on paper outstanding players and also seeing them, uh, seeing some of them in person, have already impressed me so that is brilliant second word surprising um and this is just because normally with Ipswich you see Ipswich Town linked with this player and then the rumor goes away and you just don't bring them in I think I think Mark might have been saying something of a similar ilk earlier uh but this time it seems that we've linked with a player and you know the deal's got over the line or I think there's been four or five good players which we haven't brought in but if we haven't brought those players in, we've brought a, an equally a one of equally good stature in uh, in that position. So it's just been a, a really good window for that. And the third one is overwhelming. And this is just uh, a bit of a feeling I had after my first game a couple of weeks ago when I went to Portman Road. And I hadn't got to grips with all the squad. I didn't know what the pros and cons of all the players were yet. I didn't know how they were going to work together or play together. I didn't. Some players' quirks haven't come out in the wash yet. Like we're 
We're still struggling to see the best of some players. We have seen the best of some other players. So it's just a bit overwhelming. Normally, normally in a season, you get, say, four or five key signings that would go into the first team. And then you can focus on them in the game because you know what your stalwarts are going to do. But at Ipswich, we, we, don't have any, we don't have any stalwart players anymore. They're all gone. So literally, we are blank slate and it's the whole squad, which is basically we have to pick pick the what this player's good at, what this player's good at. Like, how uh, how does Burgess play like alongside Wolfenden, for example? Like, how does Cam Piggott play up front on his own? Because at the moment, it, it hasn't been his best position. And Wimbledon fans have been saying that he's better up front in a two. So is there a way that we can make him play in a, in a, in a, up front on his own? So it's quirks like this, which we need to find out. And obviously, that's a manager's job as well. But for me as a fan, that's pretty overwhelming for now. You're on mute, Ross. Oh, God's sake. Amateur hour, amateur hour. What I was saying is, um, as you said, you've got 19 players to find out about and know what they're good at, what they're bad at. Hopefully not too many bad. And just, uh, yeah, everyone's in the same boat and that sort of thing. Um, Can I just do an announcement? Uh, Bloomers has is gone, unfortunately. Uh, his internet wasn't able to stay with us, but uh, he was able to at least bring in a bit of his um, his thoughts. Um, but it's always good to have Bloomers in. Um, but yeah, we're going to carry on without him. And uh, John, uh, you had your hand up earlier, um, so take it away and then we'll get into... The 19 signings. Yeah, just a couple of points, Ross. Um, just to add one, sit and listen to what all the guys have already contributed. It makes me realize, just or reminds me, I should say, not realize because I've known him for ages, why I love being part of this and also why I love listening to it when I'm not involved because lots of good things have been said. I can really go, Oh, yeah, that's yeah, I've thought that, or yeah, I agree that you just summed up something else that is thought that's been thought about before and uh, some really good takes on things. And it, I think we're all at that point where it's been quite remarkable, hasn't it? It's It's been exciting. And now we really need to see how that develops because it's been that exciting period. It's like we've had Christmas Eve, if you like, and we've, it's Christmas Day. We've opened our presents and now we need to play with them and we, we need to see which ones don't fall apart and which ones uh, are still our favourites in a few weeks' time, I suppose. So, um just talking about Mark Ashton, I'm sure lots of the, the folks listening to the pod um, will have seen the interview that the club put out yesterday with Ashton about, I think it was about nine o'clock last night or something like that. Um, I tweeted out about him being a formidable, articulate and passionate man, the man with the plan. He comes at, like, if, if he has had problems with communication in the past, my God, he's learnt his lesson because he is excellent communication he's humble he's modest he's bang on with his articulation about points he's really focused and i think you know that's a sign of strength you know i would like to think i'm a better professional and hopefully a better person than i was five years ago or 10 years ago because you try to improve you try to get better i don't believe anybody gets up and looks at themselves in the mirror and says i'm going to be a bit worse than i was yesterday i just don't think that's the attitude people have but to have that drive to be better, I think he's got that hunger. He wants to be a success at Ipswich Town. And at one point in the interview, he turned around and he, he had that like the, the hairs on the back of his neck moment again, seeing Portman Road. That is infectious, even through um, a, a pre-recorded video. So imagine he gets you in the room as a player and he's selling you his his vision for the club as a as a figurehead. For the owners and the and the club, it's not just him, but 
he's a, he's an impressive individual. And I think, you know, if he's made some mistakes in the past, I have. I'm sure all of us admit I made mistakes earlier on today, no doubt. Um, but, you know, about trying to improve, trying to be the best. And, you know, he's asked for patience. He's asked for time. I think we've got to give him that because, do you know what? Um, I've got a bit of a, well, I think Brett Johnson really impressed me, as did uh, Michael O'Leary. And and so did Burke Bakai and Mark Detmer. But we heard more from Brett originally. But since Ashton has taken the floor, he's communicated on time. He's let us know key things. He said thank you for the fans. Of, he's been present. I mean, this is what we've been lacking for 13 years, isn't it? Um, and, you know, I remember being at Newcastle away um, when Sheepshanks came and apologised at half time. I think we're 4 0 down, and he walked around and shook hands and said, Listen, it's going to get better. It didn't actually. Um, but, you know, um, at least he, he fronted it up and showed up, which is a big sign. Um, I, I really like Mark Ashton. So I, if he has made mistakes, you know, he's learned, learned from them. And I think we can only take him as a CEO on what we're seeing. And he has delivered what the club wanted, what the owner said. Go on, Cook's wanting this, 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 and this. We're backing Cook, so your job is to make this happen. And my God, he has. You know, I think we can all probably question Aluko, and we'll come on to that, no doubt. But, um, you know, other than that, I mean, I hadn't really heard a penny before. I had to read up about him. But, you know, he's not let us down yet. I think Coulson's an upgrade, don't get me wrong. But, you know... Are they both better than Miles Kenlock and Stephen Ward? Yes, they are. So, you know, if you look at all that, it's all upgrades all over the pitch, isn't it? And they've done that for us. So the least we can do at this exciting time, yes, we want instant results. Yes, we were gutted after the last few games. Yes, we wanted to be in the top half of the table at minimum. Yes, we'd love to be sitting top or second or third or whatever. But they've done everything they've said they're going to do so far. Probably more, because sometimes you can come and say, we're going to get rid of the whole squad. And you see four or five signings and say, we need another few windows. They've made 19. It's bonkers. They've cleared out the seven loans, loaned out some more players and got rid of 20-odd pros as well. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So we have to give them that time. And it's credit to Ashton and his team. But also, I'm going to stand up for Paul Cook a little bit. And lots of people have been questioning him. Not necessarily saying he should be sacked or some people being asking if he's the right man for the job and that kind of thing. All I would say is people like Sam Morsey um, and Evans, although I know the jury's definitely uh, a little bit more sceptical skeptical about Evans's um, performance at the moment. But you look at something like Morsey dropping down from Middlesbrough, started three of their first four games. He hasn't come because Mark Ashton sold him the, the plan. He's become because he wants to be under Paul Cook again. So Cook deserves a bit of credit in that as well because we've got to look at what the club is selling. It's not just Ashton. It's not just the owners. Some of those players have played for Cook before and are saying, I want to play for him again. He gets the best out of me and the best of the teammates. So I think Cook deserves a bit of credit within there as well because I, I, I think if Cook wasn't our manager, we wouldn't have signed Morsi as an example. Wow. Well said as ever, John. That was fantastic. Um, David, I saw you put your hand up. I just want to quickly rattle out the 19 players. Um, I'm sure a lot of people already know, but I just thought I'd rattle them out quickly and then I'll go over to you, David. I'm sure you're going to pick up some points that John said. But bear with me. Um, I may pronounce one of the players' names and I'm sure you will guess who that is, although I may even pronounce another name. You never know. Um, but yes, Wes Burns, 
Lee Evans, Rakeem Harper, Macaulay Bond, Vladklav Halanki, probably completely butched that, but whatever. Matt Penny, Joe Piggott, Scott Fraser, George Emerson, Connor Chaplin, Louis Barry, Sonia Luco, uh, Carl Edwards, Hayden Colson, Cameron Burgess, Tom Carroll, Christian Walton, Burson Selena, and Sam Morsey. And Breeve Ross. I don't think I've missed a player if I have. Was that 19? I wasn't counting. Yes, it was. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, 19, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, But yeah, David, over to you then. Um, I'm sure you've got a few things you want to point out what John said. Picking up what John said, yeah, it's the ambition as well. Because we're looking at championship players there. And Mm. when, when we got relegated, we didn't have that level of ambition. When the whole shit show of the last 12, 18 months came along, and I was saying on this this pod, in that last close season, we had an opportunity because a lot of clubs have lost the finance completely. And because we had the backing of Evans, we weren't in such a horrendous position. And we had a large um, supporter base with season tickets and things, and we should have been picking up free transfers and things like that that other people had released because so many players got released and we didn't. This is There's a huge amount of ambition here. We're looking at a squad now, which broadly speaking, you can see competing. Certainly lower mid-table, if not mid-table, and without any additions, you could see this squad now holding its own in the championship. And you've got some key positions there, the Morseys, the Burgesses and stuff, which you can genuinely see as being the core of a side which could be looking top half the table with some other additions. So the ambition there is something which I think has been lacking for a long time. Um, Since probably the days of signing Lee Martin, which was ambitious, but not entirely focused ambition. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, when you're spending the money they did on people like Lee Martin, there was ambition there. It was just sort of not particularly focused. As far as Ashton, it's like like players. Ashton comes in and regardless of what he's done before, you judge him what he's doing now. That That's the thing. And it's the same as a player. I'm, I have been and I will be hugely critical later on of Aluko. If he takes the field against Bolton, I'm completely on his side. I want him to have a good game because you cross the line and he's he's our player and you want him to do well. That applied to Jonathan Douglas, you know, all the way through. It doesn't matter how much you've been a headless chick in the previous 25 games. You turn out and you want him to turn it around. You want him to become a good player for you. And it, that, that applies to Ashton. You judge what's in front of you. If you were a rubbish player for your previous club, but our manager sees something in you, signs him and you become a god. Cool. You know, that, that that's it, isn't it? If you're gutted that a player leaves and then the club they go to and he's awful, they go, why did we sign him? You know, then that's just, he doesn't fit at that club. And that's the same with Ashton. He, what we are seeing is that he's, he's a quality chief executive who's doing a very, very good job and has got that ambition. So um, he might or might not have done a decent job at Bristol given the terms of reference he had and the, and the fans may not know the terms of reference he had. So they might be sort of coming at it from a different angle to what he was doing. But from from where we are, he's doing his job and he's doing it well. And that's all you can judge him on. Ross, you're 
Ross on mute again, so I'm just going to take over for a second. Um, oh, for God's sake. But yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I was going to go over to Mark, but um, I know you, you had your hand up, James. So we'll, we'll get to you, Mark, very soon. And we'll start off with you, your thoughts on the 19 signings. But James, um, I'm sure you're going to echo what David said. But um, yeah, yeah, sorry yeah, again. Just, just, a quick one, just a quick one. And it was um, just a tweet I saw actually yesterday. And it was from um, Hayden Coulson's father. And he was, um, he was saying that um, he was really impressed with the business Ipswich have done. As as we all have been, uh, and he was just saying, pretty much just just bear with people because the the things we don't think about is that this we've brought in nineteen players and there's not really been any kind of community for them. There's been nobody almost. These players are going to have to make their own community. And what um, Steve Coulson was saying in his tweet was that they're all in hotels. They haven't found their feet yet. They're all been away from their friends and family. Not a lot of them would have had time to settle in in Ipswich and now they're expected to go on a pitch and play their best football like they did in the championship or wherever most of the players. So um, I think that's just something we need to be cognizant of is that most of these players probably don't have permanent housing at the moment. They're probably still feeling like it's a big change, a lot of transition. Uh, he was saying in, in the tweet thread that I was reading that he hasn't seen Hayden for, for five weeks and he said that they're really close family normally. So you know, it's just big change for all these players and we've just got to think of that human side of it as well. Uh, and hopefully with time, with time, I know it's, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's going to, it's going to come good because they're going to get their community. They're going to get the bonds together. They're going to get their, the joking and laughing as mates, hopefully as teammates and as friends. And it will, it will work brilliantly. As you said, you know, some people don't understand that side. They are still human beings and they do have to, unfortunately, have to stay in hotels and go to train and then they go back to the hotel. And of course, during COVID, you know, no one was able to do anything. But luckily now we're back and out and about doing things. Um, well then, Mark, let's get right into uh, the 19 signings. Um, your pick of the bunch, your best of the signings, um, and then maybe other bits and bobs you want to throw at us. Well, I completely agree with James that that relocation is a big thing that we have to take into consideration. I mean, these are um, some of these these players will be travelling vast differences to a part of the world they've probably never been to before, and they've got to relocate with their families, find accommodation. If they've got children, their children have got to start new schools, and these are all added pressures. And you know, we mustn't forget that. There's also the fact they've got to find their role within the group and get to know each other and get to know the system, how Paul Cook wants to play and adapt to it. And you know, it's it's a lot of change, and it doesn't happen overnight. And and you know. That's going to take a while for these guys to gel off the field, you know, before perhaps they can start gelling on the field. So, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of work to be done there, obviously. In terms of, of, of the best signings, blimey, where do you start? I mean, goodness gracious me, Con compared to what we've been used to over the last few years, I mean, every one of them is, is, is pretty stellar compared to last year and the year before, really. Um, there's a few that, you know, re really you have to take notice of. I mean, Edwards, for goodness sake. Where on earth did we pluck him from? You know, really, I mean, he, he looks too good to be playing at this level. Um, you know, the, the fact that he's agreed to come here and he agreed to come here so quickly, I, you know, is, is staggering. Macaulay Bond, you know, I'm delighted he's on loan. I love the season, you know, the, the story. I love the passion. I hope to God he scores a bucket load of goals when we sign him up permanently when we go into the championship, because I think that would be a dream. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see Macaulay Bond score the winner in the playoff at Wembley. I think that would just be the icing, you know, the, the, the cherry on top of the cake. I think it would be great. In terms of 
in the, the time scale, I, I think probably the best may well have come last. I mean, Morsey, I think, is, you know, from what I've seen so far, we, we look light in the middle of the field. We look like we need somebody who can really get hold of the game, can 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 be robust, put themselves about, slow things down, speed things up, bark some orders out, take control of the game, be a bit more physical because you need to be in League One. And Harper, despite his stature, tends to get knocked off the ball a little too easily for my liking. Uh, and Evans hasn't been as consistent as perhaps he could be. Um, so Morsey, I think, is a very astute signing. I think he may well be that final piece of the jigsaw that just knits everything together, that allows other players to play and express themselves and covers the yards, you know, that, that does the dirty work that maybe gets unseen. I've read some quotes from Middlesbrough fans, apparently, who say he's a frenetic ball of energy. He covers every blade of grass. You know, he really is. He's a bit like a poor man's N'Golo Kante. So, you know, I, I'll take that. Um Selena, delighted to have him back. I hope that he comes back as the kind of player that, um, that, you know, that we know he has the potential to be. I know he's been unwell. I'm a little bit unsure as to where he's going to play. I'm guessing he's going to play just behind the striker because he's been playing there in France and he's he certainly got the capability to do that. But I mean, if he's anything like the player that we saw when he was on loan, my goodness, what is he going to do at League One if he's on top form? He's going to be so, so exciting to watch. And then... You know, again, key, I think the goalkeeper was a really astute signing. You know, I think if he's as good as I think he could be, and I, I know there are some questions about his kicking, apparently, he's not, you know, may not be great, but apparently he does command his area. You know, he's, he's a big lad. You know, I've watched Ladke a couple of times, and I don't think that he instills a lot of confidence in the in, in the back four, for, you know, coming for crosses and, and, and dominating his box as you'd like him to do. I hope that this provides a little bit of stability and, and that confidence for the back four and the two centre-halves. But I mean, you know, I, I picked out a few there, but there's a lot more. You know, I'd love to see what Chaplin can do. You know, he, he's a prospect. Harper, I think, could be terrific. You know, uh, Wes Burns, my goodness. You know, he's Welsh, he's fast. God, blimey. You know, he's he, like me 47 years ago. Um, you know, it, it, they're all an upgrade. You know, considering what we were looking at last year, they are all an upgrade. And as David said... You know, they could, on paper, comfortably hold their own at the lower end or the mid-table in the championship. You know, that's the calibre of players we've got. I would have loved to have been locked in a room with Mr. Ashton when he when he gives his spiel to these players, because I'd love to know what he says. He's a very, very persuasive and articulate gentleman. And I think to get some of these players to come here, and if they've taken a wage cut, he must have sold them a really, really good story. You know, I would have loved to hear it. But yeah, those are my highlights. But But I could go on, there are so many. Yes, you can't go through them all. Um, you mentioned David, so I'll quickly segue into David. Sorry, John, I know you're probably bursting to say your say, but uh, David, we spoke earlier mm -hmm. in the afternoon. If you subscribe to us on YouTube, you'll see the video of uh, David and Liam reviewing the window, and he mentioned different players. Um, he got his hairy ass um, defender in Cameron Burgess. Um, he needs to go yeah. In his beard, yeah. At the moment, he's uh, very clean shaven. I think he may stay that way. But um, David, your your picks of the your favourite signings and um, yeah, and whatnot. Um, well, mine, mine. I said this earlier on. Is is broadly at the back. It's like everyone's getting all unnecessary about all our attacking options and things. Um, and I, I've got a. I had a question up when they signed about Barry and Aluko. I'm not. I'm not sure about. How necessary they are, but we'll see. Um, my ones are Coulson, who I've liked for a long time, and I know people will sort of throw their heads back, but I've liked him on Football Manager for a long time. Um, I've signed him before. He's, he's a quality player, and, I, and I'm really pleased we got him. When we were rumoured, it was one of those I was like, yeah, that's the sort of player you want. Burgess, um, 
He's a nine out of ten central defender at the moment for me. Um, if he grows a beard, we'll go to ten. But so your big, your hairy ass, proper defender needs a big beard as well, uh, and Morsi because if you're looking at, the, I've said it loads of times, and I think Stu said it as well. If you've got those fullbacks pushing forwards, effectively complete wingbacks, and they're providing the width because they're not wingers up front, they're inside forwards, they're cutting in. So you're getting your width from your fullbacks and then really wingbacks. You need somebody in the centre of the park to drop into the hole of the centre of defence, then your centre-backs can split wide and you've got a back three. It covers the, covers the width of the pitch, and it's been really interesting watching the way in which Penny and then Coulson have tucked in really narrow, and we've conceded that bit of the pitch out towards the touchline, we've just gone, oh, okay, you can fanny around it over there because we've got players in the box who are going to put the block in or get the head on it. And that, if you've got a th- two centre-backs and then somebody drops in the middle, you can do that even if your full-backs are up the pitch. So it's obviously a strategy, and I like it, but you've got to have that. And if you had a flat-back four, Evans and Harper could be an awesome midfield. But if you're looking at the full-backs getting forward, there's not that heft in there. There's nobody who's just dropping back as a third centre-half when they need to. It's We could have done for five games, we could have done with Skews, because Skews could have done that job really nicely for the first five games before Morsey came in. Um, so Morsey's exci- uh, excites me, Burgess and Coulson. Um, not very exciting ones, I know, because they're the workhorses. But they're, they're, they're the one. There's, there's an art form to defence. I, I really like that sort of... And the aggression, you know, just hit it. You know, the whole John Walk thing, you know, Walk, he's going to get you. That's that's one of the things I loved about him. Yes, he's goal scoring, but it's also the aggression that he used to bring to that game and the determination that you're not going to, you, you're not going to get past us. And that that's what I like about that type of player there, which is what I see with Coulson, Burgess and Morsi. Selena, Selena's an odd one. If we get the Selena of the first half of the season, when he was on loan, Cool. Um, he faded. Now that's partly because Mick was being an ass with him, um, and well, everybody else likes him, so I'm not going to play him thing. But also, Mick tried to convert him to make him work hard and track back, and he wasn't any good at it. What you got was somebody who couldn't track back properly, but also you lost all the attacking side of the game. So my memory of Selena is more mixed than a lot of people's is. is because he's, an, he's a fantastic attacking player, but the player we saw in the second half of the season wasn't a patch on the one we saw in the first half. Fraser learned that side of the game and he could do both. Maitland-Niles couldn't, and nor could Selena. So if he's playing in the number 10 role, then that's a different kettle of fish altogether. But if we see him as an attacking player, yeah, and in his league one and he's going to potentially rip it up but it it depends on who he is now because he was very exciting when he first signed for us last time and he faded in my in my opinion um and that was down to the way in which mick wanted him to play and it it sort of destroyed some of the natural skill he brought to the game my last point before i think is about passion and john was saying about giving people time and i'm completely with john yep Patience, patience is a virtue. I, I'm, I'm fully appreciative of patience. However, I will give people grief straight after the game. I, I went on a rant after the game, and you, a lot of people may have seen that on game day. I, I and I got some pushback for it on Twitter, which is fair, fair enough. I, I spoke loudly, and that, that's what happens. And I, I know my, uh, 
Peter Arant has reappeared again for some obscure reason best known to itself. <laughs> Why? It's years ago. Um, but when you speak after the game, then you've got, you're in that moment. And uh, being... I, I tweeted after the game, I sort of said rationality and I aren't best friends immediately after a match. And it doesn't matter whether you've won 1-0, 2-1, 5-0. Then everything's brilliant and it's the greatest football team ever. You concede a 95th minute goal and the, the world's going to hell in a handcart. And I'm not going to apologise for that passion and I'm not going to apologise for giving people grief or calling people out who I don't think have performed on that day. But I do do agree with John that you need you need to have patience and it will come together because you need those partnerships but equally then in the in the heat of the moment when we've just conceded a 95th minute goal then by bugger am i pissed off oh always well said david always well said and um you mentioned john and i know john has been bursting to say his take on all the signings um we haven't got all night john so not we're not going to mention all 19 but i'm sure you're going to say some great stuff on the ones that you've liked so far yeah well you know, both David and Mark, and I'm sure James to follow, are going to say really sensible things. And I'll try not to repeat, but, you know, basically, I could agree exactly with what Mark said. And then David's, oh, yeah, yeah, I could say that. So I'll try to say something different. But initially, my favourite signing before the actual, uh, well, as the season started, on paper, was going to be uh, Evans. I've got to be honest, I've been a little bit disappointed. Um I didn't see the pre-season. I didn't see the Morecambe game where he played well. I've seen the last three, um, the Burton, um, Plastic Dons and um, um, Real Dons game. And, uh, you know, I think he, he's made some mistakes and they've led to um, goals and that kind of thing. So I feel a bit foolish, but I'm going to stand by the player I was quite excited about. One of our KOA um, fan social um, regulars, Brad, Big Evans up big time about being this really good passer of the ball. And I think we've seen elements of that. And Brad, I'm sure if he was on, would be talking about Morsi and um, Evans are going to be a great pairing. And I think it could, I think Harper might be the one who dips out, even though everybody thinks it would be Evans. But I, I think, I think Cook might go with um, those two once Morsi served his um, suspension. Um, so, I think Morsi is my signing for me because having watched the last three games, it was what we were missing. Now, that's not to say that Cook hadn't identified him before because from what we're led to believe, he's been on the shopping list all summer and it had to happen when Borough, if Borough sold, I'm um, sorry, signed somebody else, etc., etc. And there's lots of ifs and buts. But we have lacked that bite for exactly the reasons David's gone into, so I won't go into them again. Um the person who's excited me the most as an Ipswich fan has been um, Edwards. He's got me off my seat. That first time I, he came on at Burton, I was like, who is this fella? Like, this is like, this is not what we've been used to over the last five, six, seven years. You know, I'm trying to think the last player was possibly Selena who got me, maybe Ryan Fraser, who got me off my feet, made me feel something could happen, could get us 30 yards up the pitch with one little run of exciting burst of pace or skill. So Edwards is the exciting one. I think Morsi is the, the linchpin. Um, the other player who has briefly been mentioned, um, Coulson, I think, 
I think it would be amazing if we could sign him. I think he's exactly kind of a, if Vincent Young stays fit and gets even fitter, and we have Coulson and KVY as fullbacks, that is that is just going to be lovely. I think Coulson was my man of the match um, on Saturday. Gone. Um, and his dad was saying, I know Mark referred to that earlier on, um, basically that um, he's only like 70, 80% fit and he's living in a hotel. He's just got over COVID. If that's what he's doing now, if he gets up the speed and he stays fit and, com and gets confident, he's going to rip the, t the season up. You know, it's quite exciting. I mean, I agree with Macaulay Bond as well. Um, he's a surprise package for me. I didn't know much about him. I thought Piggott was going to be the man, but you know, Bon Bon was strutting when he scored the two. He looked fantastic. Um, I can't wait to see. And we haven't even mentioned people like Edmondson. He's the big the fridge who we haven't seen play yet. He could be the next Jason DeVos or the next Tony Mowbray. That they're big names to fill. Don't get me wrong. I'm just but. He could grow with us for the next three or four years. Gareth McCall, somebody like that, you know. Edmondson and Burgess have got the makings to be our centre-halves for the next three to five seasons. That's exciting. And then I've been a bit dis... I was excited when we signed Fraser. And again, I've been a little bit underwhelmed by him. I think he hasn't quite found his gap yet. And maybe his gap's already been filled. Um, but then we've got Connor Chaplin. This guy was playing in the championship for Barnsley, who finished fifth and was one of their best. The Barnsley fans were gutted that he left, you know, and he's dropped down. So we've got an embarrassment of riches in terms of, you know, I've just probably named seven or eight players there. And that, that's no disservice to everybody else in the, who we've signed, but that shows the quality and number. It's both, you know, we often ask for quality. Like I talk about a work about quality, not quantity. Actually, what we've got here is quality and quantity, and that's a rare thing in football. You know, sometimes sign seven players, and one of them might be decent, three average and three poor. We've signed on paper 12, 13, 14 players are going to be top, top players for us. So, you know, you could, you could mention all of them. You know, I probably have mentioned most of them, Ross. I'll stop and let James obviously. I love that. I love that. And uh, James, you've been able to sit back and listen to what the guys have said. Um, and the one thing is, a lot of them are permanent as well. Like we're always used to loan deals. Like you know, I know Selena's a loan deal, and uh, Louis Barry's loan, McCauley Bonnie's a loan. Hopefully, one day he could be permanent. But most of them are. They were championship players, and we've got them permanently. You know, I'm still trying to get over Morsey. Like I don't know how I've got him. It is because of Mark Ashton's speeches and Paul Cook. You know, you know, it is basically Paul Cook's love child because he's had him at Chesterfield, then Portsmouth, and now Itchwich Town. But um, yeah, James, take it away to, to end on the the summer signings. Um, what window? I think that's uh, we've been able to sign them permanently because we've got a good vision in place. We've got a manager who's created good relationships throughout his clubs, and we're pay we're paying we're paying top dollar wages if we're going to be if we're going to be uh, honest about it. So we're, we've put ourselves in a good position. A lot of clubs were on shoestrings this year coming out of the back of COVID and we have gone the other way and been taken over by owners that are happy to spend that little bit more to hopefully see the reward. So um, we're probably one of the only big, large-scale buyers in a, in a mainly seller's market. 
But anyway, on to the signings. Thanks very much, John, for mentioning the whole squad in your favourite players that we, we could have we could have that we've signed this summer. <laughs> uh, I've written two two players which I thought are our best signings for and this is before I saw before I've seen them play. And I have now seen them play, so I've changed my mind a little bit. But as as John said, I'm gonna stick with what I've said. I've put down two players which have surprised me. Um, maybe because I didn't know their back history, and then I have seen them play. And then two players I'm a little worried for in the squad that might get a little lost. So the best two uh, were League One players, uh, Joe Piggott, Scott Fraser. Um, This was just because they did it last season. I saw them play for their club. So I saw Joe Piggott play for Wimbledon, saw Scott Fraser play for MK Dons, and I was really impressed by them. And I've seen them on highlights and I was really impressed by them. And then I saw when we were linked with them and I saw their stats and it continued to impress me. So to actually get those deals over the line, it it just made me think these are players that have done it in our league. And I feel that you need a good quality and caliber of player that can do it in this league. And we said, oh, yeah, we said with other players we might have signed, oh, they're a bit lightweight or they're good passers, but they're better. They'd be better in the championship than in League One, which I don't quite buy. But um, I think it's good that we've got we've brought in League One experience, where they have scored goals and created chances and made assists in in teams which, well, Wimbledon was struggled for relegation, and Joe Pickett scored twenty goals, which is just outrageous. So if we can't make good use of him, then uh, I don't know what we're doing wrong. Um, and the same with Scott Fraser and a good MK Don side making loads of chances so those two were i was super delighted that we've signed um it goes without saying that the boys on deadline day are just different gravy it's just oh it's just it's kind of dream it was dreamland ter- territory we all were crying we by this time we were all crying out for a defensive midfielder we all thought we're getting we're just just have to make do with what we've got but to be fair we'd signed 18 players so let's not get greedy and then we bring in a, a championship central defensive midfielder that is Paul Cook has been Paul Cook's captain. It's just you couldn't ask for a better fit for the kind of position that we needed. It's got to be the number one choice for what Paul Cook would have wanted because he's got a good relationship with the player. It's exactly the player which, as fans watching on the pitch, is what we're crying out for. And I think that's just an just an excellent signing all round and I presume we've pulled up mountains to try and get that to get that one over the line but anyway that's a little of a sidetrack he wasn't even in my uh my my list so my two players that surprised me um Edwards I mean how can you not be surprised by him he just runs forward with the ball and hopefully Chilina will do that as well but you need players that can run at defenses scare defenses he looks like he's going to win a penalty every time he enters the box because he's got a bit of trickery and he'll and he'll he will look like he's going to cross the ball, and then he'll take on the he'll take on another man, which is just an excellent trait to have. So hopefully he doesn't do that thing that most wingers do and have a few good games and then fade off into nothing. So so far, incredibly impressed. And the other one that surprised me is, of course, the Ipswich lads, Macaulay Bond. I just think he's been such a powerful presence up front, playing up front on his own. He has looked so up for playing for Ipswich Town beyond belief and it is just every kid's dream that grows up in the area to play up front and play at Portman Road and score goals in the net so 
I honestly think that he's just living out his dream at the moment and he is putting every ounce of effort into it and it's really paying off because we're seeing what a good player he can be as well. So those two are my two surprise picks, which I hadn't really heard too much about before they came into the club and then I've seen them play and I've been really impressed with them. And then there's two that I'm a little worried about. So I think it's got to be a Luco. It's a bit of a weird one. It's a bit of a crazy one. Everybody else seems to be have bought in with the future in mind. And yet he's been brought in for kind of the experience, maybe. And that's the only kind of straw I can clutch at. Um, when he's been on the pitch, I think he's looked incredibly unfit. Um, some, some of the rest of our squad have also looked unfit in the last 20 minutes of games. But let's save that for another podcast. Um, but he has, he came on, ran for two minutes and then didn't track back. Just looks like he was blowing. So I'm hoping that he will get slightly better when he gets up to full fitness, or I hope he has more fitness in him, but I'm worried for him because of the embarrassments of riches we have up front. Now we have so many other players which can play in those positions. So I feel like he could be the one that's often dropping out of the squad. And then the final player I want to mention, which I'm a little bit worried for as well, is our key, our first choice keeper that we brought in, Haladki. Um, we brought him in as a number one, and now he's very, very quickly seems to have dropped instantly to a number two. And that's not going to be good for the lad because probably a goalkeeper more than anybody else in the world plays on confidence and needs confidence. And if he's been brought in and potentially been promised, promised to fight out for the number one and then instantly it's probably going to get dropped and then well who knows but it, I'm just a little worried for him because he, he hasn't had the best start he's he's played well in patches but it's it's really been some of the goals he's conceded that has just really let us down and that costs you points at the end of the day because we are scoring quite a few goals but we're conceding too, way too many goals. So I'm glad that's a position we've also brought another player in. Uh, I'm just worried for him because there's only one goalkeeper spot on the pitch and uh, he could find himself on the bench for the majority of this season. And I had so much promise for him. Like I think it was 22 clean sheets last season for Salford. And uh, it, it seemed like this was the kind of keeper that we wanted. Uh, someone that was coming into their prime. I think he's about, I think he's 30. Um, but he's, he's just underwhelmed. Unfortunately. Wow. Well, so there's ever, and uh, I think we yeah, we pretty much covered every player, pretty much. Um, um, well, we haven't got a game, of course, um, this weekend because of international breaks. Although we're League One, and when we, we dropped down to this division, we never thought we'd have to worry about international breaks. But uh, Wickham have got players who plan for Gibraltar, Ireland, and whatever under twenty ones teams. Um, but I wanted to sort of end the podcast in any other business style. So I'm going to go to all of you guys. So any other business you want to mention about the transfer window and just looking ahead to the season. So I'll go over to you, David. Uh, any other business, my friend? Uh, no, not, I don't know. Doing this either. It's, we, we've covered it. Um, I, patience, passion, strategy. And I, I am, I am patient, but I'm just not patient when I'm at Portman road. I want five nil every week and I'm, I'm anything else. And I'm, I'm pissed off because I'm a demanding fan. Well, I think we'll definitely see a lot of goals, but um, if we can't 
stop conceding, we'll be we'll be seeing a basically a Joe Raw sort of team. You know, five four, six threes, and all that sort of I stuff. I don't mind. I, I really don't mind. I love the Joe yeah. Royal era. Um, absolutely cool. If we if we get six four like that crew crew game, oh. you know, awesome. You know, and if if you've got twenty goals from whoever our new Tommy Miller is and Coochie and um, Ben, you know, if, if we've got if we've got that going this season, absolutely fine. As long as we don't also end up finishing third and fucking up the playoffs, um, that bit of it, I'm not I'm not not keen on. Um, no, I, I'm I'm quite happy with we're going to score one more than you. That that that's fine. It's just that if we're going to score one more than you and then they keep scoring one more than us. That's where it goes tits up. And I mean, I'm happy actually to see a new goalkeeper. I didn't mention it earlier because for me, I, I'd not heard of him before particularly, but um, when I think he has made errors, I don't I don't think he's an upgrade on Holy. He has different problems. He, he's got soft hands, whereas Holy can't get down to either side because he's eight foot tall um, and his legs don't bend. So Holy Holy's got a big grin and he can do that bit, but he can't do the sides. Hadke, had, for me, they're they're much of a muchness. They just have different fadings. So I'm I'm pleased that they've acted quickly to to do that one because I think it could, if we'd have stayed with an okay keeper, it could have cost us across the season. It could be the difference between being second, being first, and being third. Well said, and of course another former town, uh, former player that Paul Cook's worked with before. Of course, um, Walton was at Wigan for two years and has won promotion from this division. So there we go. Uh, Mark, over to you. Um, it's been great to have you on the show as ever. Uh, any other business? No, thank you very much for the invite. I, I think you know it's like a massive jigsaw puzzle. All the pieces are there now. Somebody's just got to put those pieces together. Um, I did listen to Radio Suffolk on the weekend, and Mick Mills made a very good point, and he did say that the. Uh, the coaching team alongside Paul Cook are very inexperienced and neither of them have any first team experience. That's a nagging doubt at the back of my mind. I'm going to give Paul Cook the benefit of the doubt. I think he's got a terrific track record. I hope he can replicate what he's done with previous clubs and put all these fantastic players together into a into a formidable, winning, entertaining, exhilarating side and, and you know, and make Portland Road a real a real place of joy on a Saturday for the fans. Um but you know, I, I still have that nagging doubt about that that coaching team, the the work alongside him and behind him, because I do know that you know a lot of it is down to delegation. You know, and and he can't do everything. I hope that they're up to the job, and I hope that they can provide a you know a well balanced side that will entertain us, but can also, you know, manage games and close them out when necessary. Wow, and I think that's a good point as well. Yeah, as I said, although. John McGrill's still about. I think he's just got to get the Swindon sort of thing sorted because I think there's, you know, things going on there. But um, John McGrill, he lives around the corner from Paul Cook, so you never know. Um, but John, um, any other business, my friend? Just to say that I've absolutely loved being back at Portman Road um, and meeting yeah. people and the atmosphere. Uh, somebody messaged me earlier on to say uh, the West Birds goal. You can see me and Bono or Matt, as we like to know, um, know him as, um, celebrating in the corner when he scored on Saturday. And it, it's just been great to be at live football again. So for me, Paul Cook's talked about this being almost like pre season up to now. If if that's what we want to take it out as and the season starts from now, let's go with that because I've loved it and I'm optimistic. I try to be an optimistic person. I try to see the um, the good in things. But the game changer, 
have changed our club for the better. We've got really good players. We've got a manager with experience of success in this league. I just hope and hope that it all doesn't go wrong somehow because that would be an Ipswich thing to do. But, you know, we've got all the ingredients now. Let's 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 just make it happen and let's get behind them every game. I agree with David. Like people can slag each other off and that kind of thing. David supports Ipswich Town and supports the players of Ipswich Town. But if somebody doesn't play well, he'll call that out afterwards. I didn't agree with everything David said after the game and we chatted about that. But that's not to say his opinion is wrong because he he was at the game, he commented on the players, and you know, you you know. That's that's your entitlement, but let's get behind the team. Let's get. I, I was called out, John, on, on Twitter about that because, uh, and my point was, and I said to you this after the game, I'll do that. You express your opinion when they're on the pitch. I will cheer absolutely everything, including when you're sort of like under Mick. All you need is one little spark, and I'll be on my feet because I want them to do well. But at the end of the game. I'll I'll give the same a piece, and that's what I said on, on on social media when I was challenged about it. It's Absolutely because you, you, we all read the game different, we all like different formations and stuff. And I would never pick on a player. And I think that sometimes when people have picked on Kenlock, Hyam, Matt Richards got a huge amount of grief for ages, which was really unjustified because he was a good player. That's out of order. You don't pick on your own, and you don't ever pick on a player during a game, but after okay. the game. Ultimately, we want our boys to do well. It doesn't matter Absolutely. who you're wearing the shirt, you want the team to win. So, um, yeah, I'm optimistic, Ross, and I really want I just I don't think I've wanted us to be a success quite as much as I really want us to have a successful season now. It's almost like I, I believe in Ashton, I believe in um, the three lions, I believe in like what we're trying to do. So it matters even more because I didn't fully believe in Evans 5.17.14 average plan because it just felt like white noise. And like I actually really think they're trying to do things right and the players are going to try their best. I just, we've got this great team in front of us, or sorry, a great squad assembled. I just hope it works out and I'm going to do all I can to get to as many games as I can and cheer them on. So that's my ending of the business. Come on, you booze! Yes, John. Of course, there was sort of a counselling session every time we did game day in our houses after games, after defeats, after goalless draws. Um, and David, Matt Richards, what a blast from the past. Unbelievable. I, won, I, 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 I liked him too. I rated Matt Richards. I liked him. He's never going to be a world beater or anything like that, but he was a good, honest player with a nice range of passing. And he was really the first time our fan base started to have a scapegoat. And you moved on from that. And Hyam got it. He missed. He hit the bar, I think, or he had a header, which could have given us a win. It was a away game. And up until that point, he'd been one of our own and all that sort of thing. Suddenly he became, oh, he, he, he's the epitome of why we're not winning. And more recently, Ken Locke's had it. And the people around me have given him grief. No, but during a game, you don't. But also, Ken Locke's not as bad as all of that. He got exposed repeatedly last season and the season before. There was a time when um, Judge was supposed to be playing in front of him. And Judge had buggered off and done his own thing because Judge was having a picnic somewhere else because that's what Judge did. And he was left. He'd got th three players coming at him, one of them with the ball. He was like, which one do I mark? Because there was nobody near him. 
and it, the ball went into the net, and, it, and everyone went, well, that's Kenlock. But it wasn't. It was because he didn't have the cover. Kenlock has never learned. He he defends well, He turned, but then he turns back into trouble. Rather than just doing a Wilson or something like that and clearing it, he then turns back to goal and loses the ball. He does the same thing over and over again. He's never learned. But he, he's at heart, he's a basically a decent defender who needs to learn certain simple things. Is he Coulson? No, he's not. He's not as good as Coulson. But he's still one of our own, and we shouldn't be turning on him during a game any more than we should Matt Richards. And it it bothers me that we pick on somebody, whether it's Chambers or Matt Richards or whoever it is, during a game, and you boo. I mean, Matt, uh, Jonathan Douglas got booed coming on. Now, that's not on. You know, you can... Not not applaud them when they get brought on as a substitute, and you, or something like that. Or you, there, there are different ways of doing it. But you don't boo your own players ever. Well said. And uh, James, over to you. Then any other business as we wrap up another brilliant fan social? Yeah. So I just wanted to just mention something probably a little bit away from the football, and it's um, but Mark Ashton has done a fantastic job, but his job is not over, and uh, now the transfer window is shut. I'm hoping that we're, what we're going to see over the next few months is him pivoting his attention to everything else around the club. So the, com- the stuff around the community, making people stay around the ground on a match day. Um, I know they've done a, they did a lot at Bristol in that regard to making it kind of monetizing it a little bit more, but also making it a way nicer place to be as part of the community. Somewhere you'd want to bring your kids, which is brilliant. Like what we're doing with the fan zone is is, is fantastic. But I feel like stuff like that could be strengthened. Um, community partnerships with businesses around the town, with um, organisations and groups around the town. Um, I think that is going to be his job until the next transfer window. And if if his transfer business is anything to go by, then it's going to be a very good success as well. But I'm kind of looking forward to that as... Um, as his next uh, next things on his to-do list after he's had uh, a couple of beers and uh, maybe a couple of good nights sleep. Definitely. And, um, of course, we've still got the wait for the Americans to come over whenever they can. I'm sure they're going to have a, a month of exploring Suffolk and to go into the games. And I'm sure they'll, that's probably gonna be wait they'll probably wait until we've won until uh, they come over. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be best. And uh, of course, um, we'll be back next week uh, for the Fan Social, looking ahead to the Bolton game. Um, it will be weird this Saturday for all of us. You know, even if you weren't able to go to the games, you still listen to it on the radio or whatever. But uh, it'll be weird Saturday. No game for us to, to watch. Uh, I'll be just looking at the other League One teams who are playing League Two. I think it's the FA Cup. I think the first round of qualifying. Uh, so local teams, if you want to go to your local club, support them um, because, you know, it's been a tough year for them as well with COVID and stuff like that, not being able to play and getting income to support that. And um, talking about support, of course, the podcast is sponsored by Manscaped and they've uh, renewed their sponsorship. So use the code KOA to get 20% off and free delivery at manscaped.com. And also a new Warzy um, as well, uh, the you never lost at home uh, that is going to be starting in September. Well, we're in September now, the 16th of September to the 9th, 9th of October uh, at the New Warsy. Um, of course, the brand new musical on um, from Peter Rowe 
um, doing basically Bobby Robson's amazing UEFA Cup winning team. Um, and buy tickets now because they're available at the new Warsy.com website. Um, but I'm looking, yes. forward seeing, looking forward to seeing that, Ross. I saw the yeah. uh, I saw the previous one, Our Blue Heaven, and it was uh, good, yeah. it was really good. So if that's anything to go by, then I'm I'm really looking forward to the follow up. So yeah, well, hopefully I'm on the. Yeah, I wasn't able to watch the um the previous one you mentioned. I think it just I just it just escaped my mind when it came out. I just never got opportunity to watch it, but I want to watch this one, so I look forward to that. Um, John, Mark, David, and James, thank you very much for joining me. Bloomers as well, thank you. Um, unfortunately, had to go away because the internet was rubbish. Um, but yeah, another great edition of the Fan Social. If you want to get involved. Get in contact at Kings of Anglia at Ross Media UK on Twitter. Um, it's always good to get different voices on the podcast um, and also build our community because um, currently we have 18 part of our community. So we're getting close to the 19 signings, just like the town side. Um, but uh, there we go. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, of course, the main pod will be back also next week um, talking about, well, not a game, but we'll, be, we'll find out things to talk about anyways. I've been Ross. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.